Good morning and welcome to our service of worship here at First Church of New Knoxville. This morning our prelude is being provided for us by Grace Rediger. Thank you for being here, Grace. Wonderful. Thanks, Grace, for starting our service off with that beautiful piece of music. Once again, welcome to everyone who is joining us for worship here this morning. Those of you that are gathered here at First Church, as well as those that are listening on the radio and watching on Facebook, we're so glad that you are worshiping the Lord with us together this morning. There are several announcements that I want to cover for us today as we get our service started. I invite you to look along, uh, follow along in our bulletin. There's several announcements that are listed there. And of course, always more information than I'm able to share with you across the pulpit here. Uh, if you're watching from home or listening from home, we do encourage you to pull up our bulletin, which is located on our website, firstchurchnk.org. Not only does it have the announcements, but it also has our service of worship and the lyrics to the music we'll be singing together this morning. This morning, the rose on the altar is in honor of Ed and Rebecca Rohrbaugh, who will be celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary on Saturday, August 1st. Happy anniversary, Ed and Becky. 
I told them this morning that they, they picked a good day to get married because that's also Allie and I's anniversary, but we have a few more years to catch up with them. So um, what a wonderful day. Tonight, junior and senior high youth backyard Bible study is at Dave and Judy Bumbar's house from 7 to 8.30 tonight. That's open to all junior and senior high uh, students and looking to dig into God's word together. Today, following the morning service, there will be a Sunday school teacher's lunch meeting in the ministry center. Uh, if you're a Sunday school teacher and of RSVP, we invite you to, to join uh, Tori as they talk about uh, curriculum and, and everything to do with this coming school year and our hope to get things going in September. Today is the deadline for turning in your men's retreat deposit. Reminder, the men's retreat is in conjunction with Faith Alliance Church, and it'll be happening the last weekend in September. Uh, if you're interested in coming and have not let me know, please do so today. You can talk to me after the service or reach out to me uh, via phone, uh, email, but love to hear from me. I hope that, that there's a good group that is committed to going from our church, and, and there's always room for more. So I hope that you are willing to join us for that. If you're interested in helping run the camera for Facebook Live on Sunday mornings, uh, please see me after church. We're looking for about four more people who can take turns. We can put together a sort of schedule to keep that ministry going. We have certainly been blessed by, by that ministry as well as the radio ministry during these last few months, and we hope to continue to see that going. Uh, but like anything else, it requires some volunteers and it requires people that are willing to, to help out. So if you're able to do that, please see me uh, again after the service or, or give me a call sometime. I'd love to tell you what that is all about. Uh, this morning, our offering is to support the Those in Need Fund. So if I encourage you to give towards that, either by uh, dropping off a check or some money in the offering plates as you exit the sanctuary this morning. And of course, you can always continue to give online. Uh, and there's information about that on our website. A couple more things that I want to just share with you this morning. First of all, uh, this is a little bit of a different Sunday. As all of you know, the mask mandate for the state of Ohio went into effect this past Thursday night. Uh, and that does include what we do here as a church. So first of all, I want to say thank you to everyone here that is will, in your willingness to comply with that. Uh, I know it's not comfortable. I know it's not easy, especially in a hot day like this. And so I appreciate your willingness to do so. And I want to thank you for that. Uh, but just to, to, again, just bring clarity, because there's always so much maybe confusion about what is out there. I do want to just read what the governor has put forth, and that will help us uh, to, to know what that means for us going forward as a church. Uh, so, so facial coverings um, are required in all places, uh, such as indoor, excuse me, all indoor locations that are not residences, as well as outdoor uh, outdoor places where a six-foot distance is not possible. Uh, there are, of course, exceptions to this rule, which we have, as a church will, of course, honor uh, individuals under 10 years of age, as well as those with medical conditions, including those with respiratory conditions that restrict breathing, mental health conditions, and dis or disability, uh, that disabilities that contradict the wearing of a facial covering. Uh, so again, that's, that's what we're dealing with here, and I just want to thank you all for those that are here and, and honoring that. I appreciate your willingness to do so. Um, it's certainly not easy, uh, and I want to thank you for, for what you're doing to help us as a church comply with that. One other uh, uh, bit of business I want to share with you this morning is, again, just want to I want to share with you uh, something that we've been thinking about through at Spiritual Council and Consistory, and that is our plan for service times this fall. Uh, there's, of course, we've, we, before the pandemic started, had been having our service time at 9 o'clock uh, with Sunday school at 10.15. Uh, with, with the pandemic and everything that was kind of going on at the time and not doing Sunday school, it was much easier for us to just 
condense all of that and, and have one service at 10.15 so that it coincides with our radio broadcast. And, and while that's obviously what we've continued to do throughout the summer as well. But as fall approaches, we want to have that conversation and think about what we want to do as a church beginning this fall, as we hope to have Sunday school and confirmation and those sorts of things start back up again. Uh, so, so the options that we kind of have before us are, of course, going back to 9 o'clock, as we had done before, or remaining at 10.15 with Sunday school at 9 o'clock. And I'd love to hear from you about your thoughts on, on those time changes. Uh, in the newsletter last month, I asked for some, for some input, and I heard back from exactly two people. One wanted to go back to 9, and one wanted to stay at 10.15. So that didn't get me very far in terms of trying to make a decision there. And so I'm just asking you once again to to let us know, uh, let me know uh, what you are thinking in terms of that. Personal preferences, of course, are okay, but we also need to remember what's best for, for our, us as a church, as a church family and the ministry that we do here. You know, nine, going back to 9 o'clock would certainly remain consistent and being, in a sense, kind of back to normal where we were before uh, the pandemic hit. For some, 9 a.m., of course, frees up some more family time and, and availability after our worship service. Uh, there's also, you know, maybe some conversation that, that having Sunday school after church would encourage more families and more children to attend the Sunday school time because families are already here at church and it's, and it's convenient and easy for, for them to just transition into the Sunday school afterwards as well. But moving to 1015, of course, has its benefits too. Uh, keeping, keeping the live service here in person as well as the radio and the live stream all together is certainly a benefit and is much easier on all those that are involved in making those sorts of things happen. Uh, moving Sunday school to 9 a.m. would also potentially free up time after church, after our, our gathered worship service for fellowship, for things like the annual meeting and other, other meetings like Tori's Sunday school meeting, for example, that she's having today. Um, or just informal conversations that would normally have been interfered by having to rush off and get to Sunday school, whether that you're a teacher or you have kids involved or an adult class. So there's certainly pros on both sides, and, and I want to just encourage you to, to give us feedback. We have not made a final decision. We hope to do so in the weeks to come, uh, but we want to make a decision that uh, is informed by what you as the congregation think is the best choice as well. So Please, uh, please take a moment to give me feedback. You can do that. We're going to put something on Facebook tomorrow to give you an opportunity. If you're not on Facebook and don't want to interact that way, you can always reach out to me directly or, or reach out to us at the church office. But of course, I'd love to hear from you as we talk about that and work through those decisions together. Uh, one note about that, though, if you're a radio listener, uh, that will not affect you one bit. The radio broadcast will stay at 1015, whether we're here at 1015 or we go back to nine o'clock. Uh, so if you're a regular radio listener, this service will continue to be at 1015, no matter what we decide to do as a church regarding our in-person worship services. Um, that is a lot of announcements. I appreciate your patience as we worked through that here this morning. Uh, and so at this time, let's continue to focus or refocus our attention on the Lord by saying our call to worship together. I invite you, if you're able, to stand with us as we read from Psalm 118, verses 1 through 14. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into the spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. 
It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. I invite you to remain standing with us as we sing our first praise song this morning forever. seated. It's time I invite Nikki Rohrbaugh forward for Children's Chat today. Okay, good morning. 
going first. Anybody else? But when you were a kid, there was no better feeling than being first in line. As an elementary teacher, I deal with that quite a bit. And uh, it's also really good to be picked first for a game or first to have a turn when you're doing something. It feels good, but God calls us to do something different. Let me tell you a story. This story is based on Matthew 20, and it's called Me First. James and John came with their mother to see Jesus and ask a favor. When you become a great king, she said, we would like our boys to sit next to you on your throne, each of them on either side of you. But Jesus answered, my father already has decided who will sit where. The disciples were angry with the boys. Imagine that, they said. Who do they think they are, complained the others. They're no better than anyone else, grumbled someone else. You see, they all wanted to be first and be close to Jesus and have the most important spot. But Jesus heard all of their grumbling and murmuring, so he called them together and taught them a lesson. If you want to be important, to be an important person in God's eyes, you must help others and let them be first. So when we focus on serving ourselves and what we want, we can forget what's really important. You know, did I get a cookie for being first in line? No. Did I get a trophy for getting picked first? Not really. And so when we focus on serving God instead of ourselves, our faith grows. And that's what's important. So pray with me. Thank you, Lord, for our little ones. Help us grow, keep us safe, and teach us to be more like you. Amen. Thank you, Nikki. Before we have our time of prayer together this morning, it's our honor to invite Katie Miller to come forward. Uh, she's our, one of our new uh, missionaries that we are supporting this year through our designated offerings, and she's serving in Piqua with Young Life. Uh, we had a Sunday offering for her already this year back in May, but unfortunately with everything that was going on, she was not able to be here and, and she wasn't able to share with us about what she's doing. And so today we get the opportunity to hear from her uh, what she's going to be doing in Young Life and what God's doing in her life in particular. So thank you, Katie, for being here and look forward to hearing what you have to say. Hi, First Church. Um, it's really good to be here today. And like Joel said, my name's Katie, and I work for Young Life in the Piqua and Troy area. Young Life is a non-denominational ministry, and our, mini- and our mission is to introduce adolescents to Jesus Christ and help them grow in their faith. We do this by praying for kids, going where kids are, building personal relationships with them, and earning the right to share the gospel with them, and then walking with them in friendship regardless of their response to that gospel. And I feel really excited to talk to you guys about it today. And so I know some of you, but for those of you that I haven't met, uh, I grew up in New Knoxville, and I went to school here. And I've spent a lot of time in this church growing up, first at Vacation Bible School as a kid. Um, And VBS was the social event of the summer when you were a kid growing up. It was a really big deal. Um, And I just remember it being crazy that it was 
fun to learn about God, and I actually really enjoyed it. And it was significant because there were all different kids from my school and my class, kids from different churches or kids who didn't go to church at all, um, were going to VBS. And I remember from a young age that it felt different and it felt special. And that's something about First Church that I love and admire more than anything, is that I wasn't confirmed here. I was confirmed in St. Mary's, um, and I've never been a member here, but you guys welcomed me in, and you invited me back, and you so badly wanted to see me grow. And you guys just care so deeply about the community around you and the lives of young people here, and I love that. Um, So youth group here at First Church was the first place that I experienced real Christian community. I started attending youth group here in junior high uh, in the big room upstairs, and it was so hot up there. Uh, But it honestly felt like such a breath of fresh air for me and my friends. Just the way that people treated each other and the lessons made sense to us in a way that they almost didn't um, in the church service, or maybe because we weren't paying attention in the church service. But the older kids cared about us, and um, I'm just a product and living proof that the Lord is working here in this church um, to reach lost kids and that you guys are doing something good and right here. And actually, my first experience with Young Life was through this church when the New Knoxville Youth Group went to Young Life Camp with Piqua High School. And that week at camp basically changed everything for me. Uh, I remember our cabin. I remember the people that were there with me and the people that shared a bunk bed with me. I remember the weather, and I remember the outfit that I was wearing when I heard about Jesus dying on the cross. And I can't believe that after all these years, I get to work on staff with Young Life, and now I'm leading at Piqua High School, and I get to stand up here today and tell you guys about it, the people that first introduced me to it. And just the way that God weaved it all together is incredible. But after high school, I went to college at Ohio University, um, and against all odds, started following Jesus in college. Um, and I know OU has a reputation, and I've heard people say that OU is, uh, like where people go and where souls go to die, and it's really broken there, um, which we can laugh about, and it is really, really broken there, but, um, I think I've seen God working in a real and urgent and obvious way like never before, like he is in Athens, Ohio, and on that campus, and so I got placed as a volunteer Young Life leader in January of my freshman year at Alexander High School. And I led there for four years, and it was probably the most important thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, Getting to lead Young Life as a volunteer in college was the greatest college experience, and it was beyond anything I could have ever dreamt up for myself. And then when I was a senior, I interviewed for full-time staff, and I recently got placed in the Troy and Piqua area, and I moved there September 1st of last year. And so Young Life is in 104 countries. There are 68,000 volunteer leaders and 5,000 staff people, and 350,000 kids attend a Young Life gathering every single week in uh, the entire world. And so we have ministry for high school students and middle school kids and college kids, and we have ministry for teen moms and kids with special needs. Uh, We have leaders that go and live on military bases and work with kids who move all the time because of stuff like that. Uh, We have international students and ministry that works with kids who uh, have hearing loss and are deaf. Young Life is in inner cities, and it's in the most rural towns you can think of. And so one of my favorite things about Young Life is the way that their leaders meet kids exactly where they're at, physically and spiritually. Leaders spend 15 to 20 hours a week 
walking into the world of kids. They show up before and after school, just trying to get the chance to say hi to people as they go in or leave. They tutor kids after school. They coach sports that they've never played. Basically anything to build genuine friendships with students and to let them know that they're worthy and loved and valued beyond anything that they could ever imagine. John 1.14 says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And that is the joy of doing incarnational ministry. It's God in human form in a way that we can understand and that makes sense to us. He came down uh, from heaven to live in our messed up world. And so I want to share a story just to end with. It's a true story and it's about a Navy SEAL rescue. And it happened a couple decades ago. And so there were American soldiers, American citizens that were held hostage somewhere in the Middle East. And so the United States government is making a plan and uh, trying to come up with a plan to rescue them. And it takes a while, like it takes a couple months. And they finally form a plan and they gather some Navy SEALs, the best of the best, and they fly them out and they send them in helicopters in the middle of the night. So under the cover of darkness and they drop them on foot to sneak into the compound and then into the building and then eventually up into the room where the hostages are being held. They open the door and they see the hostages in the back room huddled on the floor with their knees around their arms around their knees and their heads down hugging themselves and when they open the door the hostages don't even look up. And so they say into the room we're with the United States military we're here to rescue you, and they don't even move, and they don't flinch, they don't look up. And so they say it again, and nothing, they don't react. And so the soldiers are confused, and they don't know what to do, but one of the soldiers got an idea, and so he takes off his helmet and wipes the paint off his face and sets down his weapon and walks into the middle of the room of hostages and sits down right in the middle of them, And he just slowly puts his arm around one of the hostages and then around the other one. And he just sits there. And he sits there with them for a long time. And eventually they get curious and they start to look up at him. And they start to catch his gaze. Until finally he slowly stands up and says, I'm with the United States Navy. I'm here to rescue you. Will you follow me? And the hostage next to him stands up, and then another and another one. And he leads them out of the room, and they all make it to safety. So this is what we get to do. Um, Teenagers are held hostage by a broken world and by their own sinful hearts. And we get to sit with them in the thick of it, in the darkest place that you can imagine, and slowly earn their trust. And we slowly ask them to follow us to the foot of the cross and to the feet of Jesus Christ. And when I hear that story, I think of my friend Allie, uh, who I recently went to breakfast with. We went to this small little cafe, this breakfast place in Piqua, if you guys have heard of it. It's called Waffle House. Um, and we went to breakfast last week, and I asked her what she's hungry for and what she's going to order. And she was like, I, I just feel overwhelmed. I've never gone somewhere with a friend before. And she's in high school. She's a sophomore in high school, and she's never gone somewhere with a friend before, and she couldn't... She couldn't think straight about what to order because she'd never done it before. I think about my friend Dion who asked for prayer to become more outgoing. 
And it's just crazy because we love Dion exactly the way he is. Um, but God cares about the desires of our hearts and um, watched Dion and listened to his prayers. And we got to see God be so faithful and Dion came out of a shell like you wouldn't believe this year. I think about my friend Aubrey, who is an amazing athlete. She's so fun and popular at school. Um, she gets praise all the time from her friends and from her coaches and her parents and gets attention from colleges. And she asks us and wonders why does she still, still feel so empty after all of it. And so we get to invite her to come to Young Life and hear about a God who created her and who has been sold on her since before she was born and before she ever achieved anything. And then I think about my friend, Riddy, who told me that she's never felt love in her entire life, um, in a romantic relationship, in a friendship, or in her family, and that she honestly believes that love is a social construct, and it's something that we convince ourselves of. Um, And then a few hours later, we ended up going to Young Life Club together, and one of the leaders shared that love is a person, and that God is love, and the ultimate display of love was Jesus dying on the cross. Um, And that he would have came to earth and died, even if Riddy was the only person to ever live on earth. Jesus would have still came and did that for her. And so on Young Life staff, I raised financial support for the area and for my own salary. And you guys recently gave your offering to me um, a couple months ago in quarantine. And I can't begin to thank you enough for that. I was blown away by the generosity, and I wasn't expecting it. And I just feel so thankful that you guys even considered me for that. And so I just thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, None of this would be possible without your guys' support. And a big part of my job on staff is to always be looking out for the next school and the next community and thinking, where can we go next? Um, And so I love New Knoxville, and I love Auglaize County more than anything, and I pray for you guys every day. And so if you guys have any questions or you're interested in getting involved or supporting what we do in Pickwell or supporting me personally, I would love to talk to you guys about that afterwards. Um, But that's all I have for today. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, Katie, for being here this morning to share with us. What a great testimony. And I loved uh, just hearing how God has been working in you and through you from when you were a kid showing up to VBS here at First Church and, and where he has placed you now. It's just really exciting to see that. I just want to reiterate for Katie, if you'd like to support her, um, I encourage you to do so. We've we've added her to our designated offering. Like I said before, she's our, one of our new people this year. But Young Life is a ministry that we have, as a church, been involved in and supported for some time in, in different capacities. And so this is just another opportunity for us to continue to support that ministry that's made an impact in so many people's lives. So I encourage you to talk with her. Uh, she said she's willing to stick around after the service. If you have any questions or you can reach out to her directly. Um, you can also give online. And I want to share that with you. Um, you can go to giving.younglife.org slash Katie Miller. And that's K A. T-I-E, Miller. Um, That's a way to give directly to her or to the Young Life Ministry. Um, And again, uh, I encourage you to do that. Uh, There's so many good things that are going on in this world through people like Katie and other ministries, and, and they need our support, not only financially, but also in prayer. So let's take a moment and pray for her and and the Young Life Ministry as well. I'll social distance pray for you from over here, if that's all right. Uh, Lord God, thank you so much for Katie and for her testimony and all that she shared with us this morning. Thank you for what you're doing in and through her, especially, Lord, in in the ministry of Young Life and what she's doing in the Piqua and Troy area. I pray that you continue to work through her, Lord. I pray for her provision. Lord, financially through people and churches like us, but others, Lord, that she may come in contact with. 
And we also pray for your provision spiritually and emotionally, Lord, because ministry is not always easy. And building relationships, especially with teenagers, Lord, uh, is so important and such an important thing to do. And so I pray that you would work in her and through her, that we would not only support her financially, but also through her, our prayers, and that you would build her up for the work that you would have her do. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning, Katie. As we again turn our attention to the Lord in prayer, I just want to take a moment and uh, encourage you to, to take a look at our prayer list this morning. Uh, there's names that are represented there. Um, one name I would ask you to add is Charlie Vornholt. Um, his family's asked us to add him to the list, but it was too late uh, by the time we printed the bulletin. So I encourage you to be praying for Charlie as well. I also want to just point out another uh, one of the names there as well to you. Uh, the Reverend James Lawyer, uh, James Lawyer passed away on Thursday, August 23rd. He was 79 years old. Jim was a 1958 graduate of Bakken's High School and was ordained for ministry here in First Church in 1969. So pray for his family as he enters into Christ's care uh, and, and pray for comfort and peace and thank the Lord for a life dedicated to, to ministry. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are good, and we worship you this morning, not just through song, but also, Lord, through, through testimonies through, and, and now here through prayer. We thank you that we have a, the privilege to come to you and lift up these concerns to you, Lord, because even if we're not aware exactly what's going on in these situations, Lord, you know, and you are able to work in and through these people and these families that are listed here. So, Lord, whether it's healing or comfort or provision, whatever it is that's needed, Lord, we ask that you would provide by your spirit and through Christ. Lord, all things are all, all good and perfect gifts come from you. And you are the sustainer and provider of all who are in need. And so we ask, Lord, uh, that you would that you would work in these situations and that you would work through your people, the church, to be the answer to prayer wherever that is possible. We pray all these things in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you're able, I invite you to once again stand as we sing our next praise song this morning, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone.
Our scripture reading today is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. If you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to follow along. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, the words are printed in your bulletin. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love of and the love all of you will have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith and all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who have troubled you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire and his power with his powerful angels. He will punish those who don't know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you, because you believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God would make you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness, and your every good deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that in the name of our Lord so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for the reading of your word uh, which is uh, a lamp for our feet and a light for our paths. I pray that you would give us uh, grace and wisdom as we study it together and may may you open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us. It's in Christ that we pray. Amen. Uh, after hearing Katie share this morning, I'm not sure what I can do to follow up with that. I think your testimony there was just so powerful and so important for us to hear. But as we open God's word together, I think we'll have we'll have something that we can we can focus on here today. Uh, before we do that, I just want to take a moment. I don't know if you are, or any of you are sports fans out there, but I was very excited and very relieved to be able to watch some baseball on TV this weekend. Uh, Major League Baseball resumed again, and pretty soon we'll see uh, we'll see the NBA and other sports uh, resume as well, and, and maybe see some football as well this fall. 
But lost in all of the excitement of, of sports seasons getting back up was an announcement by uh, NFL player uh, Laurent Duvarney Tardif. He's a starting offensive lineman for the defending Super Bowl Kansas City Chiefs. He is 29 years old and he's also a medical school graduate. And he's been spending time during the quarantine and during the pandemic working as an orderly in a long-term care facility in the Montreal area. Uh, just this weekend, he made an announcement on social media uh, that he is going to opt out of this NFL season uh, so that he can continue to work in this capacity. Now, this isn't just a, any old person on a, on a, I mean, any NFL player is going to be skilled, but this is not just a, a reserve here. He's, an, he's a starting right guard, has been the starting right guard for the Kansas City Chiefs for the past five seasons. In fact, he didn't miss a snap on the field during their Super Bowl championship season last year. And choosing to give up, choosing to sit out the season not only means that he is not going to be doing the thing that he loves, but he's also leaving about $2 million on the table by choosing not to play. And the reason I share that with you this morning is because I want to share his words here, because I think they, they are an example of what, uh, what this passage is getting at here for us this morning. In his announcement, he said, being at the front line during this offseason has given me a different perspective on this pandemic and the stress it puts on individuals and our healthcare system. I cannot allow myself to potentially transmit the virus in our community simply to play the sport I love. If I am to take risks, I will do it caring for patients. Think about those last words. If I'm going to take risks, I'm going to do it caring for patients. I think that's a pretty amazing thing for a 29-year-old NFL superstar to say. He's literally leaving millions of dollars behind in order to serve others. He's willing to give up the fame and give up the potential for, for doing the thing he loves and doing the thing that he has been training to do all of his life in order to serve those who are in need. What a great example that we can look to. And the reason I share that with you this morning, because as we look at this passage from 2 Thessalonians, as Paul's opening up this second letter to this church sometime later after the first, Right, the focus here, there, there seems to be a lot of different things going on, but, but as I read it and as I thought about it, there's one overarching theme that I want us to, to notice in each of these passages. And that is the need, as, as we grow in our faith, as we trust the Lord more as followers of Christ, that means it's, it's, it means that we need to begin to love others, love God and love others, and, and be willing to take the focus and the attention off of ourselves. And there's three ways that Paul talks about here in this passage. And I know with, with, our, with our time here this morning, I want to make sure I get to all of that. And so I want to just dive right in here today. The first thing he mentions here in this passage is, is how as, as their faith is growing, as Paul's witnessing their faith in the Lord increase, so too does their love. See, God is the one who, who grows in us. God is the one who, who helps us to grow and become more like him. But as that happens, as he, as he instills that in us, as our faith increases, so should our love for one another. And so Paul observes this. He says, your faith is increasing, but so is your love for each other. It's increasing all the more. There's a direct correlation between our faith in God, how much we trust him, how much we believe the gospel to be true, and how much we're willing to love others and put their, their needs and their... their um, what they're doing ahead of ourselves. 
See, the gospel teaches us to take the focus off of us and put it on first and foremost God, right, in Christ and what he's done for us. But second, Jesus says it's just like it, to love our neighbor as ourselves. The deeper we grow in our faith, the deeper that that God draws us, the closer God draws us to him, the more that will then turn around and result in increased love for our brothers and sisters. The Apostle John puts it this way in his first letter, 1 John chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to, be, claims to love God yet hates his brother and sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Notice that's not a suggestion or uh, if you have time for it, or if it's convenient for you. It's, John says here, and, and Jesus reminds us as well, that it's a command. In fact, he ties it in as the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're a Christian, yet you have a hard time loving the people that God has placed around you, there's a, there's a problem in, in faith there. There's a faith problem. Because the more we we trust God, the more we lean into the promises that he's made us, the more that should in turn produce love in our lives. And I'll be honest, though, loving others isn't easily easy, but thankfully it's not up to us to do in our own power. It is Christ working through you. It's the Holy Spirit living in you. He is the one who equips you and enables you to love like you should. How does he accomplish this? By shifting your attention off of yourself and onto Christ first and others second. When Jesus was traveling around and teaching and preaching, he began to call disciples, right? And what was the call that he placed on their lives? He said, if you choose to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, you must do three things. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That deny yourself is the really hard part, isn't it? Denying yourself is not easy. It means, it means looking to others first. It means looking to putting God's priorities as our priorities. It means being willing to love and serve others even when it's not easy or convenient for us. Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in his spirit, If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I encourage you to go on and and continue to read that chapter because Paul goes on to say that, that example that we have The person that we can look to that has done this perfectly is Jesus himself. That he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death on the cross in order to save us and to love us. I share that with you this morning because, again, we are in a a situation that may, as as citizens and in particular as Christians, uh, I think we need to allow our faith to impact how we view what's going on in the world today. And I'll just use the masks as an example again. Right? Let's be honest. Nobody wants to wear a mask. Nobody thinks they're fun or convenient or comfortable. 
Allie had the kids that were checking out some garage sales in St. Mary's over the weekend. And, you know, there were, a lot of people were masked. And as Allie was rummaging through, she overheard somebody uh, at another table or, or part, same part of the garage sale uh, make a comment about the face mask they're wearing. They're wearing one of those uh, the sleeves instead of just a normal mask. It's one of the sleeves that can be pulled down over their neck or over their face. And the woman made a comment about, well, I just haven't found one that's comfortable yet. And the per- somebody else, uh, the person she was talking to looked at her and said, well, masks aren't meant to be comfortable, right? We're not supposed to enjoy wearing them. They're not meant for that purpose. They're meant to be uh, used as a way to, to protect yourself and protect others from this virus. You know, they're not easy. I, I, if I had a choice, if it was up to me, I would not wear one if I didn't have to. But I will wear one if it means keeping other people safe. And I will wear one if it means keeping small businesses like Main Street and Jana's and Village Market open. You know, for those without pre-existing health concerns, wearing a mask in public is the least least objectionable option here. You know, I'm I'm willing to give up a little bit of my comfort and pride in order to to see businesses stay open and see others uh, stay healthy and safe. I just think that's for us right now in our time and place, that's a practical example of how we can love others. Is it perfect? No. Is it always going to be convenient or easy? No. Are there going to be times where you can't wear a mask? Of course. But that is just one small thing that we can do to allow our love to increase for others. So again, it's taking the focus of ourself and putting on Christ first and others second. The second thing we notice here about our... uh, our, our combating our self-centeredness is, is noticing here that, that ultimately God will make things right, that it is not up to us to seek revenge or, or get even with others. Paul here references once again the Thessalonian suffering. It's a common theme throughout the New Testament. Many in the early church suffered at the hands of other people because of their faith. And, we, and people that are suffering often ask themselves, like, what does this mean? Right, Suffering one is not automatic proof that what you're doing is right and God is on your side. Sometimes suffering is the result of sin, either yours or someone else's. But at the same time, it's certainly not proof that you're in the wrong. Many good people suffer for doing good. Jesus suffered, right? And he was the perfect person. Paul suffered. Faithful Christians in many parts of the world are today suffering as a result of their faith. There's a story in, in the book of Joshua about when Joshua was preparing to, to go to battle against Jericho as he was leading God's people into the promised land. And, and before the battle, he has this encounter with the heavenly warrior. And Joshua approaches him and, and kneels down and he says, he says, you know, who are you? And the angel says, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. And he says, are you on our side or are you on their side? And the angel looks at him and quite literally just says, No. He says, neither. I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. And I love that story because it reminds us that we often divide people into groups. And we want to know, is God on our side? But I think the more important question we need to ask ourselves is, are we on God's side? All right, we have a tendency to divide ourselves into teams. Us versus them. Good versus bad. Mask versus no mask. Black versus white. Rich versus poor. With each side claiming to have God on their side. But dividing people into groups like that doesn't do us any good. That's what Joshua was doing. Instead of worrying about, as I said, whether God is on our side, we need to make sure that we're on God's side. There's a big difference there. If we keep our focus on him, he gives us the tools to handle suffering whenever and however they come. 
A few things I want to highlight for us here today. One is that we can suffer with joy. We do so by keeping our focus on Christ. In Hebrews chapter 12, there's this great description about how, how Jesus with joy embraced the suffering of the cross. For those of you that have seen the Passion of the Christ, which is I think about 15 or 16 years old now, if I, if I got my count right, there's the scene of Jesus carrying his cross on the way to Golgotha. And he trips and he falls. And there's this moment, and whether it was, I'm sure it was planned this way, but it, you can be, we can miss it if we're not paying attention. As he falls and stumbles broken and bleeding on the road, people yelling and spitting and cursing at him, he crawls over and for a moment he embraces the cross. He almost hugs it as he goes back to continue to carry it to the cross. It's this powerful moment and, and, and just a, a wordless picture of what it means to embrace the cross with joy. That's what Jesus did for us and it's certainly what we can do for him. We need to trust that God will set all things right. Paul reminds the Thessalonians here that ultimately judgment will come, but it's not at our hands. It's when the Lord returns. And that's a common theme we see throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New, that God is a righteous and just judge. He will judge accordingly, and he will right all of the wrongs. He will destroy evil once and for all, but it's not our job to do so. Our job is to be faithful in Christ, to love him, to serve him, and Jesus will put those things right when he returns. When Jesus returns, all of those things will be taken care of. And it is God's responsibility and God's timing to do that, not our own. We also need to remember it's okay to lament, but we lament to God. It's okay to be angry, to be frustrated, to say that things aren't fair because there are times in life when things aren't fair. And God says it's okay for us to do it. There's plenty of examples in Scripture like Psalm 13, uh, Psalm 94, even in Exodus 1, as God's people cry out in terms of their slavery, it's okay and there's times where that is appropriate. But God always invites us to direct our lament to Him, not ourselves, not our spouse, right? not our, our neighbors or our coworkers. Right? We're called to lament to God because He can handle it. And it's in that lament that He often works in our hearts and our minds to help us see from things from his perspective. Right? So since God is sovereign and he will judge, we are then free to love others, even if they don't deserve it. Paul says in Romans 12, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. In 1 Corinthians, he says, when we're cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure it. When we're slandered, we answer kindly. We've become the scum of the earth and the garbage of the world right up to this very moment. And so we need to leave judgment. We need to leave vengeance in God's hands because he will take care of it. And so we need to trust that he's able to do so by taking vengeance in our own hands, by, by seeking retribution in our own way. It's like we're telling God that we don't trust him to set things right, that we don't think he's going to do anything about it. So we got to take matters into our own hands. Instead, we should be able to look forward to the return of Christ with joy as Christians. The second coming is not something that we should fear. We should look forward to it. God's people have longed for the coming of the Lord throughout church history. God is the righteous judge, as I said, who will set everything right. He will, he will right all of the wrongs. Revelation 21 talks about how you'll even wipe the tears away from our eyes and that death itself will be a thing of the past. 
And the reason we can look forward to the righteous judgment of God is because that judgment has already been rendered on us as Christians. The verdict is in. We have been found guilty. Why? Why? You heard that right. We are guilty of sin. Scripture says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and there is no one righteous, not even one. So why is this good news, right? Why do we not have to fear? Why is this something that we should look forward to? Because for us, for all those who have put their trust in Christ, that punishment has already been satisfied. At the cross, Jesus took our guilt, our shame, and our punishment upon himself. He paid the price so that we wouldn't have to. We couldn't, even if we tried. But thankfully, we don't have to because Jesus paid it for us. That's why we can rejoice when we read passages that speak of God's judgment, because for the born-again Christian, we know that the judgment has already come. And it should then inspire us to share that good news and share that hope and that promises with all those that we encounter. Finally, in our last moment here, I, just, I do want to highlight our closing verses, and that is the call to then live worthy of that calling. I mentioned at the start here about my love for professional sports and, and getting to watch baseball again this weekend. But professional sports are far and away spectator events, aren't they? As I've heard one person describe football, it's 22 men desperately in need of a break being cheered on by thousands of people desperately in need of exercise, right? That's what sports is, is, professional sports is like. They're spectator sports. But faith is not meant to be that way. Faith is not meant to be a spectator sport. Jesus invites us to actively participate. And that's what he encourages the Thessalonians to do in the closing verses. He encourages them to get in the game, to quit being spectators. God wants to work in and through you to do good things, but we need to be willing to allow ourselves to get out of the stands and participate. And when we allow that to happen, when we allow God to work in and through us, As Jesus says in Matthew, it's it's like a light shining through us. People will see our good deeds and they will glorify our Father who is in heaven. That is our goal. Let's pray. For the God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we we can know you because of it. And I thank you, Lord, that your word calls us to not be so self centered and make life all about us, but to put you first. And in doing so, Lord, being able to love others as you've called us to do. Help us to do that this day, Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing.
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace. Thank you.